Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Monday night. Thank you so much for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure to see you there, as always. So much to get through. As always, every single time we're here, it seems like I'm very, very busy. It's kind of an illusion. Settle in, grab yourself a drink. Much to get through. Welcome to another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I am Boogie Bumba, your host, hopefully for the next hour or so. Hope you had a lovely day. Hope you had a lovely weekend. I certainly have. And as I mentioned, we've got plenty to get through. Um, Incidentally, I had a whole bunch of stuff on Google and Facebook and the antitrust shit that's been going on. They've been going down to Washington, having little chats over cups of tea, cups of coffee. But interestingly, what I have found is um, there is now apparently a whole bunch of Democrats getting on board. A whole bunch of Democrats are now arguing against censorship on the internet, arguing for internet freedom, because who would have thunk it? Something that we've been saying on this show for a long time, it's not just conservatives. There are people who legitimately run little organic gardens who are getting censored off the internet, who are being demonetized on YouTube, kicked off YouTube. I was having a conversation with a guy who works in this space in online media, and he said, and he was surprised. He's like, really? He said, why would people who run little organic gardens be getting off, kicked off YouTube? And I said, well, I don't know. Maybe something to do with Monsanto, perhaps? He said, well, that's a good point. I think what you'll find is there's going to be a whole bunch of people who have been, how can I say, people who have been very quick to dismiss any discussion of internet freedom and the problems inherent within are now going to start waking up to the reality that this is not necessarily a left-right thing, but rather a corporate thing. We are dealing with corporate behemoths here. And what's going to become evidently clear to people in the future, regardless of which side of the political spectrum they're on, when they see people advocating for this behaviour to continue, when they see people dismissing all of that conversation as mere conspiracy theory, fantasy, what's going to happen is those people are going to be correctly cast as pushing the corporatist line as opposed to, you know, the progressive line or the tolerant line or the conspiratorial line. We're dealing with concentrated power in unelected companies that want to own the internet. They think that it belongs to them. They think that your freedom of expression belongs to them. They think that you need to go through them if you want to engage in this discussion that legitimately breaks down boundaries and breaks down borders and reaches across cultures and demographics in ways that they could only imagine. That is specifically the kind of engagement and the kind of community that they are trying to destroy. The gatekeepers, ladies and gentlemen. So, like I said, I've got a whole bunch of stuff to go over in regards to Google... Uh, the antitrust investigations, new moves in this area. So I think I've been putting it off since last week. I'm going to put it off till tomorrow because I need a whole show for it. It's going to have to be a whole hour's worth and there's too much other shit that's too important. There's stuff that is too important, like Cardi B working with Bernie Sanders to get in touch with the young the young people. You know, Cardi B's really smart. She's a really smart girl. And we're going to work really well together to get the young people at the ballot box. 
So we're gonna go. We're gonna go over Bernie, Bernie B, and Cardi B, <laughs> BS and Cardi B. It's gonna be fantastic. Don't be cynical. I know you're being very cynical right now. Just think about the opportunities. Think about what could happen here. What could come of this? Um, but I've also got a whole bunch of weird and wonderful stories from the interwebs. Hence tonight's title. I forget what it even is. Breaking exclusive eyewitness action news. <laughs> That's what we're doing here today. Breaking exclusive eyewitness action news. So uh, do tune in tomorrow night at 11 p.m. And we'll get right into the Google, Facebook, antitrust investigation and what's happening in terms of internet freedom. And there's a whole bunch of podcasts. If you go to iTunes or iHeartRadio or whatever, look through the back catalogue. You'll see that this is a topic that comes up time and time and time again on this show. And it's something that um, is very near and dear to me for obvious reasons. For obvious reasons. Because um, it's what I love to do. And it's what many people love to do. And, I, you know, I think it's it's very encouraging. Because I'm now... Here's the thing. I'm now getting stuff sent to me from long-time, lifelong lefties. Saying, hey, did you see this thing about Google? And I'm like, oh, yes. Incidentally, I have. See, there's a time to go to ideological war. There's a time to have arguments about politics. But when, you know, lifelong progressives who have only ever cast you as some kind of conspiracy theorist when it, in when it in regards to online freedom, internet freedom, data collection, data retention, the use, the misuse of these tools that these corporations have, gatekeeping, when people on the other side of the spectrum at least perceived, come to you and say, hey, look at this stuff. That would not be the time to throw it back in their face, tell them that they're an idiot, that they should have been on board with this a long time ago. That's the time when you make hay. You make hay whilst the sun shines. So we are absolutely going to get into it tomorrow. The corporations trying to gatekeep and the my, you know, my ecstatic mood when I see more and more people on the Democrat side of the ledger, on the left side of the ledger, actually waking up to this problem of these corporations running roughshod and trying to own the internet spaces. So don't miss it tomorrow night at 11pm. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, incidentally, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash bookie bumper. Become a subscriber or uh, by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, uh, Lucifer Sam saying, what evidence has there ever been for that? Um, Sam, I know you just came in and that's the first thing you said. By all means, feel free to go into the back catalogue of podcasts that I've done and find the uh, at least between six and ten entire episodes where I've outlaid all of it. So, you know, it's going to be pretty hard for me to boil it down in one or two sentences for you, brother. But feel free to catch up if you are so inclined. If not, we shall move on regardless with our swords drawn and have the discussion anyway. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to drag me over the coals and you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Like I said, there's too, too much eyewitness action news to go over tonight. So let me kick it off with this. A couple of people have sent me this clip. A couple of people have added me on this one. And I haven't listened to it yet. I know a lot of people have been talking about it, so I thought, well, let's listen together, shall we? Let's have a little listen. So let's check it out. Uh, Joe DeGeneva. By the way, the declassification process will start this week. There are going to be documents released, I think, by Wednesday. Uh, the Attorney General, as I understand it, is in the process of getting those ready to come out. There are going to be some of the Devin Nunes documents that he requested. And then a series of other releases will come after that. That's because Durham is progressing very, very quickly in his criminal investigation. This is not a review, quote-unquote, of what went on. This is a criminal investigation of senior DOJ and FBI officials from the Obama administration and intelligence community people, including John Brennan. This is a federal grand jury. This is not a review. This is not an IG audit. This is not some uh, Congressional Research Service uh, look at history. This is a criminal investigation of a bunch of people who tried to seditiously overthrow the president of the United States. So the stuff is going to start coming out this week. Okay, so let me just pause on the on the details that you're saying here. Wednesday, that means when you say come out, you mean to the public. We'll be able to see documents Wednesday? My understanding is 
By Wednesday, yes. Okay, and then on the issue of Devin Nunes, what were the documents Devin Nunes was seeking? Was this related to unmasking or wiretapping? What? They were all the things related to... He made, he made several requests by letter, as you know, of various items, 302s, applications for the FISA court. I mean, Devin Nunes had made, has made many, many requests for yes. declassification. I'm not sure which ones are going to come out first. Okay. Um couple of things. Um, first of all, let me be completely upfront and honest with you because I can't lie to you. Um, if you're looking for you know, a heightened level of excitement from me or something like that, you're going to be very bitterly disappointed. So that's your trigger warning. First and foremost, I would say that I am completely worn out from constant forecasting next week, next Wednesday, next month, next year, this July, this August, by Christmas, by summer. Um, right. For me, I think a lot of this stuff represents a kid who asks for a pony for Christmas for a long time. Every single year, can I have a pony? Can I have a pony? Can I have a pony? Now, that doesn't mean that the kid doesn't get a pony eventually, but it might mean that the kid gets the pony when uh, the kid grows up and gets a job and buys it for himself. You know what I mean? So I am very um, fatigued when it comes to the forecasting stuff. So credit to Joe DeGeneva. He said Wednesday. So then, okay, Wednesday. So it's two days. Two days. So at least, you know, putting a smack bang on it. But then, of course, there's always the little caveats that are thrown in. My understanding is Wednesday. So then I suspect for the next 48 hours... um, we are going to have a whole bunch of people swirling around the conversation on the internet saying two days, two days, it's coming out, it's coming out Wednesday, it's coming out Wednesday. And then if it doesn't come out on Wednesday, it'll be, oh, you don't understand. You don't understand. He didn't say it was definitely coming out on Wednesday. He said it was his understanding. So obviously something has changed and that's pushed out the time. We're not working on the same timeline as the president, guys. And then we go through the whole dance again. So, you know, <laughs> Kimmy asked, does this mean you'll know tomorrow? Yes, I live in the future, but I, I'm not going to do spoilers. I'm not a spoiler kind of guy. So that's my first inclination. And you can you can criticize me for that. But again, um, I, I, I want to have information in front of me. Like I can pontificate about what might happen, but I don't think that that necessarily helps anything. I don't think that that necessarily changes anything. So, you know. I'm a little more cynical, perhaps. The other thing, too, is let's not forget that this administration, and Donald Trump specifically, does have a history of making threats and then not following through on the threats. To say otherwise would be denial. Um, Just recently, the ice raids, right? No, they're starting next week. Well, we decided not to do it. We're going to close down the Mexican border. Did you hear that, guys? He's closing down the Mexican border. He's definitely going to do it. Ah, well, we decided not to do it. Now, you can say a whole bunch of it. I would say personally that the reason that Donald Trump would engage in this kind of behavior is he's trying to get something else. So he's threatening an extreme action in order to give himself breathing space to get something else. It's like, you know, drastically undershooting a car at a used car lot. It's got 5000 on the ticket. I'll tell you what. I'll give you $1,000 for this car right now. And the guy said, $1,000? I'm going to be losing money if I sell it for 1000 How about 4000 And Trump's like, if you, don't, if, if you don't let me have this car, this American car made with beautiful American steel, so it must be from the 1970s, American steel, then I am going to walk off this lot and I'm going to burn the fucking office down, okay? <laughs> Whoa, don't burn the office down. All right, all right. I'll let you have it for 2000 How about that? Okay. We did a deal. We worked great together. They were very optimistic in the negotiation process. They, it was a tremendous deal. We got it for $2,000. It's a little high. It's a little high, I'll grant it. But, you know, everybody wins in this deal. I think that's what goes on when he makes these threats, by and large. Now... Uh, he's made threats before about declassifying stuff that never came to fruition, and it all it all just kind of melts away because the news cycle keeps us perpetually on the edge of our seats. 
as though we were at, you know, a monster truck rally, right? And the monster truck rolls out from, you know, behind the bleachers and you can't start the bastard. The, the guy's flooded the carburetor. <laughs> hey, don't worry. Truckosaurus will be right out. Everybody, pay attention to the big screen over there. Look at that. It's a kid eating a hot dog. Do you want a hot dog? I bet you're fucking hungry. Get yourself to the tuck shop right now. Yeah. They come back and sit in their seat. God damn it. Don't worry. Truckosaurus next week, Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Absolutely. Truckosaurus coming your way. Just got to have faith. Got to have faith. So that's where I'm at right now. But hey, if if um if information is revealed on Wednesday, then I will say, great, let me have a look at it. I'll say, fantastic. I didn't expect it to come out on Wednesday. I'd say I don't expect or not expect it. That's the other thing too. I, I really don't have any expectations when it comes to government and politics. Expect the unexpected right now is the only thing that I can say. I mean, in regards to things like, you know, we were talking on Trust and Verify last night. The Democrats, very predictable stuff that they, that they do, though. You know, in regards to the argument about impeachment, it was never about impeachment. They never wanted to impeach Donald Trump. Just uttering the words impeachment in the moderate districts that they swung in 2018 in the midterm elections will see them handed back to the Republicans. Nancy Pelosi knows this. She might be the least popular House Speaker of all time on record, but she's not an idiot, Right? She knows that she can't push for impeachment because they'll lose the House. She also knows that she needs to manage and quarantine the hard left, you know, more idealists in her ranks, which is exactly why she let that vote go to the floor, knowing it would lose. So then the narrative and the talking points can be, okay, we tried the impeachment vote. It didn't work. Everybody, you've got to get in line. The only way we're going to get rid of him is at the ballot box. And that's precisely what she's doing. And that's precisely what the talking heads in the corporate press are now saying. It's precisely the opinion pieces that are being written up in the Washington Post. And it's precisely what anybody who watches this show and trust and verify knew was going to happen three months out. So things like that, I have expectations. Because politics is politics. And people are very predictable in some ways. But in regards to the constant forecasting and the threats and will it come out and what will we know and who's going to get arrested and stuff, I'm just fatigued. It's been three years of it. More than happy to discuss it when the information is on the desk in front of me. Uh, I'm not willing to entertain the idea that if only I cross my fingers and click my heels together and whisper sweet nothings that uh, something will happen at some time somewhere that's going to change everything. I can't do it. Sorry. Sue me. But, you know, I could be wrong. Here's another one that uh, somebody sent me on Twitter. Apologies, I can't remember who sent it to me, so let's have a little look-see. How many of the approximately 500 interviews conducted by the special conference did you attend personally? Very few. So Republicans have tried using that answer as a way to portray Mueller as not being involved in the investigation. Is that a fair attack? Do we know about how Mueller managed this probe? We have some insight. It's true that he did not sit in on many inter- Wait, interviews. But I w- did she say that line? Did you? Did she say that line? See, this is the kind of shit I'm talking about. This this is one of those very subtle, very slight little manipulations in order to cast the arguments as false before you've even heard them. Watch again. Personally, very few. So Republicans have tried using that answer as a way to portray Mueller as not being involved in the investigation. <laughs> Is that a fair attack? So you see, Republicans have tried using that answer as a way to portray Mueller as not being involved in the investigation. Sweetheart, it wasn't that answer. It was the six hours of testimony that surrounded that answer. It was the answer to almost every single question which had to go beyond yes, correct or that's true it was any answer that he was you know being asked to think about for more than five seconds it wasn't just that one line oh this one line 
Those those crafty, slippery little Republicans are using this one line to cast Mueller as not being involved in the investigation. No, I would say it would be the upwards of 20 times where he had to be reminded of what's in his own report and the three or four times where he contradicted what was in his own report and the at least dozen times where he had no fucking idea what was in his own report. That might have something to do with it. <laughs> this this one line being used by Republicans. Oh, you gotta be on you gotta be on top of those Republicans. They'll try and fool you. <laughs> the fuck out of here. One line? This one's been doing the rounds. Uh, Aaron Rupar, for those who aren't familiar, is a guy who writes for Vox, V-O-X, Vox. And he <coughs> Pardon me. <laughs> I'm laughing already. He put this little video grab up of a presidential presser and with the line here, Trump suggests that he was a a 9-11 first responder. So there's the accusation. Trump suggests that he was a 9-11 first responder. If you want to know how how far away, how far over the horizon any adherence to facts and reason are in today's age, here's exhibit A for you. Many of those affected were firefighters, police officers, and other first responders. And I was down there also, but I'm not considering myself a first responder, but I was down there. I spent a lot of time down there with you. <laughs> do you want to see it? Do you want to hear it again? The accusation. This, you know, this Donald Trump bastard is trying to claim that he was a first responder. How dare he? This is akin to stolen valor. What a monster. <laughs> so Trump suggests that he was a 9-11 first responder. Many of those affected were firefighters, police officers, and other first responders. And I was down there also. But I'm not considering myself a first responder. But I- <laughs> Who gives a fuck about the facts? The best part is... You had people responding to that tweet who, who couldn't even be bothered watching the 12 seconds of video to see for themselves. And they're all saying, well, what do you expect? He lies all the time. He lies all the time. This is akin to stolen valley, you know. And people are responding. Like, it, it has to be just a mass society-wide gaslighting exercise at this point. And people, God bless them, are wasting their time responding to these tweets saying, that's exactly the opposite of what he said. And it'll be like, shut up, Russian bot. <laughs> shut up, you Nazi. And people, even the people who acknowledged that this is the opposite of what he said, that doesn't matter. They'll say, well, okay, fair enough. But he still lies all the time and he's probably still lying about this. And it's like, you can't say fair enough, but then say he's still doing it. Do you see the problem here? But... You're wasting your time trying to explain basic logic to some people. You really are. And, you know, there's people in this in this thread now that are banging their head against a wall going, I can't believe you didn't just watch the video. This is the exact opposite of what is being claimed. Shut up, Russian bot. Why don't you go back to Moscow? Anybody who would support this president's lies is a Nazi. You know that? <laughs> Why even bother? Why even bother? First on CNN, Bernie Sanders and Cardi B team up on video targeting young voters. I hope it. I I wonder if it's the video she put up of Instagram of her, um, you know, showing off her punani. That that might get the young voters in. I'm not going to dismiss this. This might be strategic genius from Bernie Sanders. Let's let's not be too cynical. Bernie Sanders on Monday teamed up with rapper Cardi B to film a 2020 presidential campaign video meant to appeal to young voters. We are working on a way to involve more young people in the political process, the Vermont Independent told CNN in an interview as he arrived for the shoot. The future of America depends on young people. They are voting in large numbers, but not large enough numbers. How old is Cardi B, incidentally? Uh, (laughs) Do you know what I... if, If you want a quick reminder... A quick reminder of Cardi B's former, you know, endeavours into the political space. Here's a quick one from a, a couple of months ago. Y'all, I just want to remind y'all because it's been a little bit over three weeks, okay? It's been a little bit over three weeks. Trump. 
Federal government workers to go back to work without getting paid. Now, I don't want to hear y'all motherfuckers talking about, oh, but Obama shut down the government for 17 days. Yeah, bitch, for health care. So your grandma could check her blood pressure and you bitches could go check your pussy in the gynecologist with no motherfucking problem. <laughs> I really want, this is what I want to see. I want to see Bernie, this is legitimate. I'm not just, I'm not, you know, being sarcastic here. I legitimately want to see Bernie Sanders on the campaign trail. And you know how they have those speakers that come out before the candidate? I want to see Bernie Sanders on stage. You know, this campaign is all about the young people of America. Incidentally, he is a rich old white guy, just just in case you didn't know. This campaign is all about the young people. The young people fighting back against the 1% and, and the corporations that are ruining their lives. This campaign is all about the young people. So if I can, I want to bring out on stage a young person. It's Cardi B. Yeah. And I want Cardi B standing next to Bernie Sanders at the dais. Y'all motherfuckers need to vote for Bernie Sanders. You want to get your motherfucking pussy checked by a doctor? Huh? Your homies. Homies. Y'all want to go vote for Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders give a motherfucker give a fuck about your health care. And y'all want to get your motherfucking pussies checked, okay? You got to vote for this man here. This motherfucking homie here is going to be real. He going to take it up for y'all. Yeah. Hey, Cardi B. Sensation. <laughs> Thank you, Cardi. Yeah, fool. Vote Sanders, motherfucker. Get your pussy checked, y'all. I, I need that to happen. I want that to happen. I need it to happen. God, let it happen. Please. Please let it happen. She uh, she had a new rant a couple of days ago. Uh, apparently, Donald Trump's Hitler. It's like, Cardi, get some new material. But let's have a little listen anyway. So every single time I see a black man get killed or mistreated by the police, right? I Holy. just keep saying, like, what the f***? Do nobody gives a f***? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And it's just like, I stopped saying that because it's like, <laughs> nobody do care. Nobody cares. Nobody he do don't care. care. He don't care. At least when Obama was president, Obama always used to give a statement letting us know that he feels like it's wrong. <laughs> you know, motherfucker, Obama, you know, there was race riots under Barack Obama. There was like seven or eight race riots, motherfucker. But he wanted to get your grandma pussy check at the doctor with no fucking problem. But there was like eight race riots under Barack Obama. But he always came out and said he feel like it's bad. So, you know, he was good. He was a good president. That's what president's supposed to do, motherfuckers. When people, is shoot, when people is shooting each other in the streets, when people is burning down the Starbucks, the president is supposed to come out and say how bad he feel. How bad it is. He feel bad about it. That's what make a leader, y'all. Bernie Sanders gonna come out and say how shitty it is to have people dying on the streets, motherfuckers. Okay? That's what motherfucker president's supposed to do, y'all. Like, he feel, he feels it. He, he sees feel it. it. This I know. He feels it. He feels it. I declare that the recent shootings in places like Baltimore cannot stand. We need to be better as a society. Of course, there are bodies, body bags piling up at the morgue because of the race riots under my administration. But I don't take any responsibility for that. Sometimes the police are to blame. <laughs> and we don't want to stifle free expression. You know, if you, have a, if you have a shop, if you have a business and somebody smashes the window of that business, you didn't build that. You don't own that. <laughs> so let me just say to the American people, all colors, that I really feel, I feel bad. It hurts. It really hurts. It makes me feel bad that people are dying in the streets. I feel it. It feel bad. Yeah! Woo! That's a motherfucking president, y'all. 
That's how y'all ass is supposed to fucking act, y'all. That's a motherfucking leadership right there, homie. He sees it and he don't give not one don't so give one I shit. feel like police brutality is going to keep on going until he's president. So it's like when you keep asking that, that self, yourself that question, just know that until he's president, yeah. there's nothing, nothing is going to be done for police brutality. Nothing's going to be done for police brutality. <laughs> we need more police brutality. Come on. There you have it. What could possibly go wrong, ladies and gentlemen? Bernie Sanders and Cardi B teaming up on a video targeting young voters. Targeting young voters just like the motherfucking police do under under President Trump, y'all. He don't give a fuck. He don't even feel nothing. And you got to get your, like, it's like your motherfucking get your grandma pussy check from the healthcare, y'all. And it's like, you know, you know, there's students out there. They're getting them loans. They can't afford to pay them back. And it's a motherfucker. It's whack. It's whack, motherfucker. Your asses better go out there and vote for Bernie Sanders. He's a rich old white guy who give a fuck about you. He give a fuck about the black man. And police brutality, y'all. Get your pussy check. <laughs> this might be helpful to some people. How to avoid despairing when the world is going to shit. This might be appropriate. Uh, this was in my favorite my favorite tabloid that gets left on the train in the UK subways. Metro. The past two weeks, I've been having a bad time. I've been in a funk, you might say. I've been down in the dumps. It's a case of the Mondays, but every day. I'm having a severe depressive episode with suicidal ideation. If you want to get into mental health diagnoses, as someone with depression and OCD... This happens sometimes. That must be a terrible combination to have both depression and OCD. Because if you have OCD, that makes you depressed. And when you're depressed, you start uh, thinking about all the things that you need to change. (laughs) It's a never-ending cycle. It's normal. And it's a reminder that just because I have a good day and my medication seems to be doing the trick, it doesn't mean my mental illness is cured. But this particular low spell has been especially tricky to get out of because my usual trick of rationalizing clearly illogical depressive thoughts doesn't work well when they're accurate. My main cycle of miserable tear-inducing thoughts in this particular bad spell has been variations of this, quote, everything I do is pointless because whatever good I do in the world, people will still die and the world is shit. I'm probably contributing more bad to the world than good and I should either go hide in a hole forever or just waddle off this mortal realm entirely. It's a very positive outlook. Now, if you've been in CBT or any other kind of therapy, you'll know that a key part of dealing with intrusive thoughts like these is providing counter evidence. So you think of, do you think all your friends hate you? What evidence do you have to prove that? None? Okay. So your friends probably don't hate you and it's just the depression or anxiety talking, that sort of thing. Applying this tactic to my current thoughts is tricky because all the evidence to prove my thoughts is there. I just have to gesture at the general state of the earth and people will go, ah, yeah, you're right. The world is shit. Ladies and gentlemen, we are about to get confirmation bias for your own mental illness and depression, which makes you want to kill yourself, apparently. Why? What is the reason for this mental illness? How do you how do you deal with a world that is quote unquote shit? Here here's the cause, ladies and gentlemen. The political leaders of the UK and US are both embarrassing and highly dangerous fools. Children are being separated from their parents and put in cages. Homelessness in the UK has hit a record high. We're in a climate change crisis and the world we inhabit is burning to a crisp. There it is. <laughs> So whereas before, uh, when I felt my life was, you know, in a downward spiral, I would merely look for the evidence to say that I'm being silly and it's just my mental health. No, now it's really because the world is shit and, and children are being locked up in cages. So I am justified to feel suicidal, apparently, according to Metro. There you go. <laughs> this was shared by General Eaton on the Discord. It's a very fun little one. So, tonight on Breaking Exclusive Eyewitness Action News, it's time for the sports report. What Nazi have we got to reveal today, Daily Beast? (laughs) 
We have got another Nazi getting introduced into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Inside Baseball's Hall of Famer, Mariano Riviera. His far-right politics, ladies and gentlemen. How, did he, how the hell did he survive in New York all this time? I wonder. Mariano Riviera, the greatest relief pitcher in baseball history, will be formally enshrined in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame on Sunday. A throng of New York Yankee diehards will surely make the trek to Cooperstown, New York, to take in the proceeding and relive the treasured memories. For countless fans, Riviera is baseball royalty, an idol, worshipped for his on-field dominance, deadly mastery of a cut fastball and pinpoint control. To this day, he is held up as the ideal athlete, bestowed with endless grace and an unflappable demeanour on the mound that belied a burning competitive desire. Riviera represents a nearly unbroken succession of Yankee greatness that stretches all the way back to the 1920s, from Ruth and Gehrig to DiMaggio and Mantle, and then Reggie Jackson and Derek Jeter. And over the past three years, he's also served at the pleasure of a racist president. <laughs> Take it... <laughs> Taken part in a thinly veiled propaganda on behalf of the far-right government in Israel and gotten chummy with outright bigots and apocalyptic loons. None of this will be inscribed on his Hall of Fame plaque. It should! <laughs> Even if much of the sports world would very much like to pretend none of it exists. Ladies and gentlemen, we've had this conversation before on this show. There are some people who exist in society with the aim of injecting politics into everything. They wanted everything in sport to be about politics. They wanted every movie to be about politics. Because you see, to some people, ladies and gentlemen, if you aren't constantly talking and going over the political mirth of each and every single day, if you aren't 100% focused on activism and how to upend society and how to bring on the revolution, then you are part of the problem, right? If you're not constantly thinking about how you can change your country and overthrow your government, then you are part of the problem and not part of the solution. So what's the solution? We need to we need to spread politics and inject it into every orifice. We need to pump you full of the good stuff at every possible opportunity. We need to spread politics over every aspect of your daily life. And where once upon a time, uh, sport, particularly sport, was an escape for people from the political mirth of a day-to-day shit show that it is, right? It was an escape from real life. It was an escape from politics. It was an escape from your job. A chance for a couple of hours to sit in the bleachers and cheer your favourite team and watch some, watch some ball. Go to the ballpark, right? That wasn't good enough. They had to put their nose in it. They had to stick their finger in it and give it a little twist. And so now you have legitimately publications like the Daily Beast saying that Mariano Riviera's politics should play a part when he is uh, in, you know, accepted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. His politics needs to be a central part of his acceptance into the Baseball Hall of Fame. You see, in the future... Our sports stars not only need to be superstars of their chosen profession, but they also need to have the appropriate political views that we decide that they should have. I mean, we, we, we can't have somebody who is engaged in, in right-wing politics being accepted into the Hall of Fame. What are you, some kind of Nazi? What are you, some kind of madman? I mean, who's, what kind of Hall of Fame should be sullied? with this kind of right-wing politics. I mean, it's a disgrace. It's awful. Think of the children, right? At least one long-time Yankee fan would like to make sure it remains front and centre. Congratulations to Mariano Riviera on unanimously being elected to the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Not only a great person, but a great player. I am thankful for Mariano's support of the Opioid Drug Abuse Commission. Donald Trump. <laughs> now, you'll see the irony here. Donald Trump makes reference to a commission that he championed and Mariano Riviera's support of it. Oh, why is Donald Trump bringing politics into it? 
whilst in the very same article they are saying that his politics needs to be front and centre when he is accepted into the Hall of Fame. Why are you bringing politics into everything? That's our job. (laughs) You can't bring politics into everything. That's what we're supposed to do. Mariana Riviera, ladies and gentlemen, the world's greatest closer, the the best relief pitcher of all time, Yankee hero, New York star, and far-right bigot. (laughs) And far-right bigot. Speaking of bigotry and racism, I haven't watched this video. (laughs) New Jersey stores pull controversial black dolls designed for abuse from shelves. A controversial black rag doll that is designed to be abused were pulled from shelves in three New Jersey stores after customers and one state lawmaker called them offensive. Instructions on the feel better doll. Maybe we should give them to this this girl. Maybe she could use a feel better doll. She won't want to kill herself anymore. Tell customers to grab it firmly by the legs, find a wall and slam the doll against the wall. Don't forget to yell, I feel good, I feel good. A patch on the doll's stomach reads. So, so apparently you've got a, uh, Sam says F the Yankees. Looks like we've got a Mets fan in our midst. Apparently you're supposed to grab this doll by the legs and smash it against the wall and repeatedly yell to yourself that you feel good. I, I love that we're monetizing mental illness now though, don't you think? So let's have a little look at this doll. Watch your team in the morning. Tanya Babich, Terrell Brown, meteorologist okay, okay. Tracy Butler, and Roz Varon. ABC 7 Eyewitness News in the morning. Action News. Well, new this morning, controversial black dolls, which are designed, meant to be abused, are now being removed from store shelves in New Jersey. I can't believe this is a thing. I can't believe this is a thing. Because <laughs> you know what the beautiful part about this is? The doll maker probably thought we need to make a black one, otherwise we'll be accused of not being diverse enough. <laughs> the, the, the doll maker, I guarantee it, the doll maker legitimately came up with an idea. Hey, I've got an idea. Let's make little dolls that people smash against the wall to relieve stress. It'll be like a stress relieving tool. Great idea. Here's the doll. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's got blonde hair and blue eyes. Well, what's the problem? We can't have a doll that's blonde hair and blue eyes. This is the woke generation. Don't you see that this is going to be perpetuating white supremacy? Oh, yes, of course. Sorry. Make the doll black. Make it a little African-American doll. For whoo, bullet dodged. <laughs> I guarantee you that's what happened. And the first question is, who thinks of this? Right. You know, the instructions on what they're calling the feel better doll tells customers to find a wall and oh. slam the doll against it. Uh, the president of One Dollar Zone says the store pulled about 1,000 of those dolls from the shelves at the stores in Bayonne after customers... Look at the doll. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, no. <laughs> so you, this is the doll you're supposed to purchase and then slam it up against a wall when you're feeling upset. Oh. But I'm telling you, they originally came up with a white doll and they said, no, this won't do. We'll be accused of white supremacy. We need to be, we need to embrace diversity. Make it black. <laughs> no, great. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Utterly brilliant. And a state lawmaker called them offensive. The manufacturer, Harvey Hutter Company, has not commented. All right, so... Two questions, <laughs> I'm just saying. One, why did the doll have to be black? Two, no- Because it can't be white anymore, brother. Because you can't make white dolls, that's offensive too. One question, uh, why did the doll have to be black? Great question, great question. It's the same question people ask when it comes to things like, why does James Bond have to be black? Why does the Little Mermaid have to be black? You know why? Because making people making things in white people form these days, well, that just that's just fucking Nazism, bro. That's what Nazis do. 
Nazis make little white dolls for little white people. The privileged little white people with their little white dolls. Oh, you've got problems? You need a feel-good doll, you little white person, with all of your privileged problems in your upper-middle-class suburban lifestyle? We demand black dolls on the shelves. Black dolls. Embrace diversity. Okay. Okay. Fine. Fine. We'll make it black. Why did the doll have to be black? Because making anything white now is racist too. Everything's racist racist now, brother. Don't you see? Don't you see the the beautiful irony of all this? (laughs) Why, Why are we making anything anymore? That's the real question. I've got a Florida Florida man story for you here, guys. He came out of the water after he... Uh, a Florida man hero tale. Surfer bitten by shark goes to bar instead of hospital. This could be an Australian. This could be... He's an, this could be an Australian man living undercover in Florida. After he went over the back of a wave and it landed on him on his board and kind of knocked him off his board and bit him on the elbow. RJ Berger saw the whole thing happen. And so did the surf cam set up along the beach. This video is a little blurry, but it shows O'Rourke uh, struggle with uh, the shark. He was right there behind the wave, and boom, that's when he got hit. And boom. you can see the shark's tail splashing. <laughs> it, like, knocked him off his board. Berger says O'Rourke got treated by a lifeguard, but did not go to the hospital, even though he thinks his friend... That's just a scratch, mate. Just a scratch. I've only I've only lost, lost half a, pound, a pint of blood. What's the problem? I'll replace that pint with half a pint of beer at the, at the hotel. On my way home. It's fine. Just a scratch. That'll buff right out. Could have used a stitch or two. He immediately went to a bar because people, he's like, I got bit by a shark. And people were like. <laughs> dude, check it out. Dude, dude. Dude, I was like, I was just catching some fucking gnarly waves, man. And this fucking shark was like, boom, out of the waves. I was like, dude, what are you doing, man? Let me go, man. It's my arm, man. I fucking need that, bro. And so the shark like bit me a couple of times and then I was like, I threw him off the board and I was like, came out of the water. I was like, dude, dude, did you see that? I got like, I totally got like bitten by a fucking shark, bro. Like fucking shark, man. Just came out of the water, bro. Just like fucking totally bit me on the arm, man. Yeah. I'll have a Heineken. <laughs> like I just totally walked in the hospital. Fuck no, bro, bro. I'm here with my bros, man. I mean, check it out, dude. Got bit by a shark, man. Dude, check it out. Yeah, you want to get a selfie? See, we mocked in the earlier part of the show uh, the the effectiveness for, say, a Bernie Sanders bringing a Cardi B onto his campaign team and doing videos with her. It might just work. <laughs> it might just work. Let's not be so cynical. Like, I'll buy you drinks. So he went and hung out at the pier. Surfer <laughs> himself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what use is a shark bite if you can't get free drinks out of it, though? Am I right? Let's be fair. Dude, I'm not, I'm not, dude, I'm not going to the hospital. Fucking, fucking honeys, man. Honeys want to buy me drinks, bro. Come on, dude. Got totally, totally bitten by a shark, bro. Fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, where shall we go from here? Oh, this I thought was interesting. Somebody sent this one through to me. California police wear Mexican charro suits to connect with community in in California. Some police officers in a largely Latino city in Northern California are reaching out to the community in a new way, wearing uniforms that resemble the traditional Mexican charro suit. Got another photo here? No, we don't. Two Salinas police officers. We might get one in this link here. There you go. There's the fella. Dressed like a Mexican... So he's a copper dressed like a Mexican cowboy, right? And this is for community outreach. This is to reach out to the community, to be more inclusive of people, right? It comes amid tensions between police and communities of colour in many cities across the US, and President Donald Trump's administration is trying to stop the flow of migrants at the US-Mexico border. I can't imagine why that would be the case. Now the police are dressing up like Mexican cowboys. <laughs> There's no immigration problem. <laughs> anyway, putting that to one side. Thank you for the super. 
Officer Gabe Carvey, a Salinas native who came up with the idea of wearing the uniform, said dressing in charro garb is another way to recognise Salinas's Mexican heritage as well as help unite people. The great thing about our country is, although we're all Americans, we have cultures that we can all share with each other. It's beautiful we can come together on something. But, ladies and gentlemen, have we really progressed so far in such a short space of time? Because, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm open to being corrected, but isn't wearing an an outfit from another culture that you don't ethnically represent or you don't ethnically come from, doesn't that fall under the bounds of cultural appropriation? Isn't that what racists do, for example, wear Mexican outfits, say, and Mexican hats when they aren't Mexican? I mean, it's just like the it's just like the stress relief doll. We made the stress relief doll black because to make it white would be racist, but we made it black, which is also racist. It's cultural appropriation to wear Mexican outfits when you're not Mexican, unless you're a police officer celebrating Mexican culture. <laughs> I just want to take you a little flashback. Reminder, don't wear a sombrero today or like ever. Or like ever. Put down the sombrero and back away. This is from 2017. Today is Cinco de Mayo, one of the most widely celebrated Mexican holidays in the United States. But all the taco eating and $5 margaritas can cloud what you're actually celebrating and lead to some nasty cultural appropriation. That sombrero you're wearing, for instance, is never appropriate unless you're of American, uh, Mexican heritage. But that was back in 2017, ladies and gentlemen. That, that was back when everything was racist. Now, apparently, all of a sudden, the police are wearing Mexican sombreros. The police are wearing Mexican outfits. And all of the town loves it. Yay! We love it. We love when the police culturally appropriate Mexico. We love it when the police are wearing these things. It's fine. But you... You, you average white middle-class schlub who wants to eat tacos and drink margaritas on Cinco de Mayo, you take that sombrero off right now, you Nazi bigot. And then the policeman walks in going, hola, hola, everybody. I'm dressed like a Mexican cowboy. And they all go, oh, isn't this wonderful? Isn't this sensational? Yay. They're reaching out to the community. The best part about America is we can share culture. We could share aspects of each other's culture and brings us together. It's all about inclusion and diversity. Yay! What was that? John John wants to wear a sombrero on Cinco de Mayo and drink mar- margaritas. Oh my, oh my goodness. Oh, it's awful. The Nazism and the bigotry, ladies and gentlemen, the cultural appropriation. Oh my word. Oh, the pain. How dare you, sir? Policeman walks in wearing a sombrero. They give him a fucking round of applause. (laughs) I can't figure it out. You figure it out. (laughs) Uh, Police officer forgot he took a bite from his sandwich at Indy McDonald's. A customer who is a regular at one of the world's most popular fast food chains now looking for some answers tonight. Yeah, after picking up dinner at McDonald's, he later learned that someone may have already helped themselves to his sandwich. Sounds unbelievable, but it actually happened. That's right, and it happened on the west side. That's where our crime beat reporter Steve Jefferson joins us now outside McDonald's. Steve. That customer is a regular here at the McDonald's, which has launched a full investigation. Why do we have to protect his voice? (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. Let me get this straight here. Let me get this straight here. Uh, (laughs) This is a story about somebody taking a bite out of a McDonald's sandwich and we need to protect the identity of the person who bought the sandwich. Why? Like, this this isn't a drug bust. The guy's not a sex trafficker, right? He's not running a fucking heroin lab in his basement or anything. He bought a chicken sandwich. (laughs) We'd like to talk to you about the chicken sandwich purchase that you made at the Indiana McDonald's. Yeah, so it was was, uh, about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I went in and purchased the chicken sandwich, and 
I noticed the guy behind the counter was looking kind of funny at me. So I had a suspicion that he took a bite out of my chicken sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) We are protecting this man's identity because he really likes McDonald's and doesn't want anybody to take a bite out of any future sandwiches that he may purchase there. Well, having having somebody spit in your Sprite is a legitimate fear in Indiana. Uh, We have many records to show that people will often spit in the food at McDonald's and, you know, urinate in the soda. So I need to protect my identity because, you know, we can't allow that to happen. (laughs) Officer says, bite taken from chicken sandwich. Fry and some chocolate chip cookies. This longtime McDonald's customer, who we will. I, I bought some cookies as well. <laughs> called DJ, DJ, asked Eyewitness News to keep his identity private. He showed us how he found his McChicken sandwich after arriving to work Sunday night. DJ, a local law enforcement officer, bought the sandwich at this Mickey D's on West Morris Street in Holt Road. He showed us the receipt to back up his claim, too. DJ told Eyewitness News. He- it's a full investigation. It's a full investigation. Yo, bro, you got that receipt? Sure do. Done. <laughs> I had to produce the receipt for evidence. This will be submitted into evidence in the upcoming court case after a full investigation into who took a bite of my chicken sandwich. He suspects someone at McDonald's took a bite from his sandwich before he completed the sale. My chicken, and I know it's several small bites of my, my chicken sandwich. I know I didn't eat it, nor the people around. So I was like, you want to what? I'm going to report this McDonald's, see if they can get that taken care of. And I uh, went to McDonald's, talked to their supervisor, and uh, she just got me some free food, which I didn't care nothing about. Since I in the chat asking, why do I sound like Sean? No, Shinny, this, this would be Sean Connery. No, Shin Soaked. I just wanted to find out who the person was and if they can do with the person in appropriate way. McDonald's confirmed they are aware of DJ's complaint. Managers reportedly oh, told him they would. I'm, I'm glad that somebody's aware of the complaint. Have we finished this investigation yet? Update. The Marion County Sheriff's Office looked into the investigation. The Marion County Sheriff's Office looked into the investigation. Are there no crimes taking place in Marion County? What the fuck is going on? Hello, police, police, please, please, please. Somebody's breaking into my house. We'd love to help you, but we have a chicken sandwich here that we really need to attend to. (laughs) Yeah, headquarters... Yeah, headquarters, we've got a report of a stolen car on the I-33 highway heading west towards the Marion State, uh, the Marion County McDonald's. Yeah, I'm on it. I'm I'm at the McDonald's right now. I'm investigating a chicken sandwich. I'll wait for the guy to come past. Would you like some cookies? That's an affirmative on the cookies. Please bring the cookies back to the to the station. You got it, dispatch. The Marion County Sheriff's Office looked into the investigation and concluded the police officer forgot he took a bite from the sandwich. <laughs> wow. Mind blown. So the guy walked into the McDonald's. He bought a chicken sandwich. Now I know what now I know why we need to protect his identity, because he's a fucking moron. Because he's an idiot. <laughs> so he walks into a McDonald's, purchases a chicken sandwich takes a bite from the sandwich, looks down at the sandwich that he just purchased and took a bite from it, presumably wiped his mouth to get rid of any evidence, looked down at the sandwich, couldn't remember taking a bite out of the sandwich, accuses the McDonald's of taking a bite out of the sandwich, and then launches a complete police investigation. And after a complete and conclusive police investigation, ladies and gentlemen, the police and the investigators did indeed confirm that the man took a bite out of the sandwich and simply forgot about it. He just forgot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll have a chicken sandwich and a large fries and a packet of cookies. Puts it down on the table in front of him. Looks up, looks out the window maybe for a moment looks down at his sandwich, sees a bite missing from the sandwich. Hey, these motherfuckers took a bite out of my sandwich. 
sir. You d- you, you took a bite out of my shirt. <laughs> I demand an investigation. <laughs> Holy cow. Wow. There must, like I said, there must be no crimes in Marion County. None whatsoever. Couldn't, didn't remember that he took a bite out of his own sandwich. And worse than that, the police then launched an investigation into the missing piece of chicken sandwich. Somebody, somebody needs to go down for this. I demand justice. A full police investigation. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, that'll do us for one night. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to send me a half eaten chicken sandwich, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Don't forget tomorrow night, 11 PM. We'll get into Google internet freedom, uh, the hearings in the Senate and the subsequent antitrust violation bill and all of that stuff. 11 PM tonight, right here. Until then, stay calm, stay rational, God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. everyone. Have a lovely day. Have a lovely night. We'll see you tomorrow at 11pm.